Good morning and welcome to worship at Hillhead. Our service this morning is led by Reverend Dr. Lena Toth. Today we will also hear Grace reading scripture. Elaine and Graham will lead the Lord's Prayer. Holly will lead our prayers for others. And shortly, Freya and Sarah will light our candle. Our musicians are Paul and Leo. We meet again this evening at 7pm for our evening reflections, which will be led by Reverend Richard Baxter in the Wellington Church. This will be a service of grieving and gratitude. I would like to give notice of a church meeting on Sunday the 13th of November, directly after the service. Um, This, we hope, will be a brief meeting regarding the proposal to become an SCIO. You should have all received an email with some information about it. We'd encourage you to read through that. And if anyone has any questions beforehand, we'd ask that you would send those through to us so that we have a chance to kind of address them in the meeting. Um, You can either send them to a manager, myself or any of the other managers, or after Katrina gets back from her holidays. Um, A couple of pieces of family news. Firstly, congratulations to Bethany, who passed her Masters with distinction this week. Well done. Um, And if we also could ask that everyone keeps Morag in their thoughts this week, Um, she'll be going into New Victoria Hospital on Tuesday for surgery. So we'll keep Morag in all of our prayers. So our minister, Katrina, as I've mentioned, is on leave. She returns on the 7th of November. During that time, if there's something you'd normally contact her about, please feel free to contact myself or one of the other managers, and we'll be able to help you. Next Sunday morning, our worship will be led by Edith Dawson. And now it's time for Freya and Sarah to light our candle. As we gather for worship, let us join together to become the body of Christ. Christ is a light that lights our way. May we glimpse Christ's light this day.
Our loving God, we pray that the words we sang would indeed be true for each one of us. That as we gather together, we would trust you to take this moment, this space. That we would trust your goodness and your desire to restore and heal, to inspire and transform. Help us to open ourselves to you, each one personally and together as a community of faith so that we may hear what the Spirit has to say to us today as Jesus' disciples. For it is in his name that we pray. Amen. And as is our custom, we will pray together the prayer which Jesus himself taught his disciples. And Elaine and Graham are going to lead us in it. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.
Today's reading comes from the lectionary. That is a set of readings agreed by many churches across the world. And so these words will be ringing out in many languages and in many very different settings. And we will hear them too. Grace will read them for us. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this, began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today, salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. So here we start with the upside down nature of the kingdom of God, which I'm not sure we'll ever get our heads around. At least I'm not sure I will. As soon as we think we've sussed it out, who's in and who's out in God's eyes and ours, Jesus crosses the boundary yet again towards those who we don't think have a right to belong. And if in Jesus' time people found themselves scandalized by his choice in befriending people, then so will we. I have a feeling that no matter how many years we've been on the way following Jesus, God will still surprise us by who is shown mercy and who's offered a gift of a new beginning. So here we have one of them, Zacchaeus, a chief of tax collectors. In other words, A rich man hated by pretty much everybody in town. A traitor to his own people. A perpetrator of economic injustice. Ironically, his name means pure or innocent. But he's clearly neither. For decent Jews... Tax collectors belonged to a special class of sinners. Because although they were Jewish, they worked for the Romans, for the empire that took away Israel's freedom. And they not only enabled that occupation to tick along nicely, but they also kept robbing their own people, even further by taking their own cut above the tax to be given to the Romans. Zacchaeus became a fat cat at the expense 
of his own people. He clearly made his choices and solidified them. He was far from what was good and godly. And the townspeople made sure he knew that. He had made his bed. And now he was lying in it. Remember, even Jesus thinks that rich people would really struggle to give up what they have, and therefore they remain outside of God's kingdom. Like the rich ruler who appears in a chapter before our today's passage, and who goes away sad, for he was very rich. And therefore just unable to fathom a possibility of life without his possessions. And here we have someone else who is considered beyond redemption, hated and detested. And in some ways, it seems that that was Zacchaeus's function in his own town. In the midst of difficult situations, in the midst of oppression or in a crisis, people often find release in focusing their frustration and their hatred on a particular group of people and on specific individuals. Here we have one such case. So yes, Zacchaeus might be rich and able to ensure and protect his own physical safety, but he's hopelessly separated from those around him and has to live with the knowledge of what others think of him. Yet if we begin to observe Zacchaeus a little closer without the filter of the strong hatred which we no doubt would have felt towards him had we been living in the town of Jericho, in Jesus' time. Well, then we might observe something unusual, unexpected, intriguing. Zacchaeus wants to see who Jesus was, Luke the Evangelist says. And in order to maximize his chances, he runs ahead of the crowd and climbs into a tree. And I think that even today we recognize that these were not dignified actions to take. There seems to be something in him so desperate, if only we care to look so eager that he takes unusual measures in spite of how they may be perceived. And there he is, in a tree. But when Jesus reaches the sycamore tree, the tree in which Zacchaeus is hiding, he stops and looks up. Hurry, he says. Come down, Zacchaeus, he says. Let's go together to your home. By noticing Zacchaeus 
and inviting himself to Zacchaeus' house. Jesus has robbed Jericho of an object of their hatred. And so everybody turns to grumbling at Jesus for going to the house of a sinner. Which means that now Jesus himself is becoming an object of collective hatred. So that's something for us to ponder and to watch. Especially perhaps those of us who for many years have been hearing the good news of Jesus. Those of us who feel we sort of know the contours of God's kingdom and where we might expect God to work. The urge to divide the world into black and white and to right and wrong the refusal to include, it can go deep, even within those of us who consider ourselves to be nuanced reflectors and compassionate humans. We often don't have patience for all the gray in which people may get entangled. Us and them is how we tend to construct our identities, consciously or not. And if we have a strong sense of justice, then blending victims of injustice and its perpetrators feels like an insult. It's the same impulse which many centuries before we can see in the prophet Jonah. How does God dare to offer mercy to Nineveh, that sinful city of our enemies? So whenever we notice our own hostility towards a particular group of evildoers or individuals we find utterly despicable. People we just must insist on being excluded. How about we sit with that hostility in Jesus' presence and ask him whether this is our attempt to define ourselves over against that which we find so awful and see whether behind that hostility we may also discover the fear of the same tendencies, the same temptations, the same awful things also lurking somewhere within ourselves. And whether if we look close enough we may not discover ourselves, along Zacchaeus and many others, at some kind of a version of a tax-collecting table. Hurry, Zacchaeus. Come down. Someone used to giving orders is told to immediately come down. I suppose Zacchaeus could have refused to do so, even though that would have meant becoming stuck in that sycamore tree and having to deal with the crowd's glee and this embarrassing situation. I must stay at your house today. And at that point, Zacchaeus gladly leads the way. 
Yet again, Jesus announces and enacts the kingdom of God by an invitation to share food together. In the Gospels, he keeps doing that. Time and again, choosing to share the table. Choosing to do so with all the wrong people. Earlier in Luke's Gospel, the scribes and the Pharisees grumble about Jesus, saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. And they had a really good reason to grumble. Eating with these folks was seen as accepting and affirming all the wrongs these people have done. Embracing the hospitality in Zacchaeus' home basically looks like condoning the injustice he perpetrated and insulting all the people who were suffering so much because of the actions done by the likes of Zacchaeus. You just don't do it. And that's how, by refusing to include them, you continue to communicate that what they have done or are doing is wrong. I don't know about you, but I definitely feel the strength of this custom. It makes sense, especially when we feel quite powerless in so many other respects. But Jesus just doesn't play by this rule, does he? Breaking bread and sharing a table is what he keeps doing. In a house of a Pharisee, yes, but also dining with prostitutes and the tax collectors. And I'm not sure it always ends up with these people converting and abandoning their own ways. But it does seem to create a space where such things can happen. And they do in Zacchaeus' house that day. He stands and says, talking to Jesus, but perhaps just as much talking to those who are around and watching, says, look, half of my possessions, Lord, I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. For the translators of this text, these words of Zacchaeus present two possibilities. Because you could translate them either as present tense or a future tense. And different Bible versions in English reflect this interpretive choice. So if you check your Revised Standard Version or King James Version, then you will find a present tense. Uh, Zacchaeus saying, I do give to the poor. I do pay four times as much. And then the NIV and NRSV and some other versions will give you future intention. Something Zacchaeus resolves to do. So it could be that Zacchaeus is someone who quietly is already trying to redress the wrongdoings he's responsible for. In which case, on that day in Jericho, in Zacchaeus' house, Jesus recognizes someone who is trying to atone for what he's done. Something that the townspeople can't see because of their own hatred and stereotyping. Now, because of Jesus' welcome, his longing for righteousness comes to the light and is affirmed and celebrated. Today, salvation has come to this house. 
says Jesus. But it's just as possible that Zacchaeus finds courage to give away half of his wealth after his longing for a different kind of life is being recognized, after he's welcomed to a common table, after he experiences grace and mercy. Now he can find the resolve to turn around and start living differently and face and redress the consequences of his unjust ways. Today, salvation has come to this house. And you know what I think? I think there will be Zacchaeuses of both kinds. Some for whom an unexpected, undeserved inclusion will be the beginning of the experience of repentance and conversion. And some who may already have been on this way, but whose attempts to get out of a corrupt and unjust system just weren't seen or perhaps even were rejected. In both cases, the table of welcome and inclusion plays a key role because the Son of Man came to save what is lost. In this case, someone who has been lost in a system of unfair wealth creation and corruption. And that is where the good, ne good news leads next. A possibility of new beginnings and a vision of a different world that is just. The kingdom of God isn't just about the embrace, but an embrace that leads to a just action. So Zacchaeus' repentance is of an economic nature. Half of his possessions going to the poor, anyone who's been defrauded getting four times as much, significantly more than prescribed in the law of Moses in relation to cases of defrauding. The kingdom of God is justice and joy, as one of the hymns puts it. There is a place at the table yet for the Zacchaeuses of today. But that table can't be only a metaphor. And it can't only be proclaimed at the celebration of the Lord's table once a month on a Sunday morning. If we are indeed his followers, if we are indeed the body of Christ, then somehow... Our challenge is to find ways of reenacting and embodying the same kind of welcome, noticing those hiding in the most unusual and strangest of places, or those that no one would dream to welcome, and find a way of sharing a meal, sharing a bit of life. And yes, I know, life is already very busy and complicated. More than that, there is no guarantee that our welcome will result in a change of someone's ways. But that's the starting point. 
a reminder that in the Gospels, Jesus is moving from meal to meal, table to table, welcome to welcome. And that somehow we need to figure out a way to do the same. People will come from east and west, from north and south, and will eat in the kingdom of God, says Luke, the evangelist, earlier in the gospel. For Jesus, salvation could be described as eating in the kingdom of God. And he expects all kinds of people around that table. It is around that table that somehow salvation comes to people and their houses. Even those people who feel hopelessly trapped in their own wrong choices and in isolation and rejection from the rest of us who may at times be too afraid to recognize ourselves in them. Time and again, Jesus stops, engages, and befriends those proven to be not worthy of salvation. And that's how salvation comes. That is the good news. Amen. As we continue to think about Zacchaeus and his story and what happened that day, I'd like to invite you to sing a hymn. Words might be new, the melody I think you'll recognize. And we will do it a cappella. Our friends on Zoom can sing loudly to their heart's delight as long as their neighbors don't complain. If the neighbors complain, welcome them in. <laughs> we will also do our best here and hope that Zoom tolerates it all. Paul hopes so, certainly. So here it is. Zacchaeus was a tax man who one day climbed a tree. A retelling of the story, perhaps a way of helping us to seal it within our own hearts and minds as we continue to think about the impact of it for us and our own journey of discipleship. So if we're able, let us stand and sing. Zacchaeus was a tax man who one day climbed a tree. For he was short in stature and said he could not see. And yet he had a problem that mattered even more. He didn't see the suffering his greed has caused the poor. Oh Lord, you saw Zacchaeus so wealthy yet alone. You said, come down and hurry, 
son loved and treasured, God's daughter or God's son. It wasn't just the treetop that helped Zacchaeus see. Your love and welcome showed him how different life could be. He said that he'd start over and work to Mark White's fair. He'd speak the truth, bring justice, and find new ways to share. Oh, Christ, you bid us welcome and help us all to see. May we respond by building a just society. Then children won't be hungry, and all will share your bread. Then those who now must struggle will live in joy instead. Let's be seated. As we continue to listen to and reflect on the lectionary, we join together in our prayers for others and for ourselves. Let's pray. We are often like Zacchaeus, making huge efforts to catch a glimpse of Jesus, only to look down and find him waiting for us calling us by name and inviting himself, himself into our lives. Lord, may we, like Zacchaeus, welcome you gladly. We're often like the people in the crowd, grumbling and muttering about Jesus being the guest of sinners. I mean, perhaps we're okay with Jesus being the friend of some sinners, but we draw the line at someone who perpetrates the economic policies of the oppressor, who helps the rich get richer. We're not okay with Jesus loving those sinners. Lord, open our hearts to all that you love. Help us believe in the capacity for change in our fellow human beings. That they and we are children of Abraham too. We want to be like Jesus, noticing the people at the edges, giving them the dignity of calling them by name and sharing our lives with them. Lord, you came to seek and save the lost. Now that you find us, help us too to call others into community with us around your table.
as we pray, we remember situations in the world that we're aware of this week. Especially this morning for the people of Seoul in South Korea, as they mourn the deaths of so many young people killed in a crush event on the streets. We trust that you comfort those who mourn in these most difficult of circumstances. We pray also for the ongoing protests in Iran. We trust that you comfort those who mourn, but also work with those who work for liberation. In the Baptist Union of Scotland prayer diary this week, we joined together with our siblings in Baptist churches across Scotland in our prayers for Queen's Park Baptist Church in Glasgow and for the work of BMS World Mission. This week, the BMS prayer diary invites us to pray for the vital health work carried out by BMS World Mission partners and personnel in some of the most marginalised communities and remote locations in the world. We pray for God's wisdom and guidance for all those involved in this life-saving work. In our prayers for our Hillhead Baptist Church community this morning, we give thanks for Beth passing her master's degree this week with distinction. We remember Morag who goes in for surgery this week and all those in church who have experienced ill health recently. In our prayer diary, we remember those in our community, both close by and farther away. We pray for our tech team, for Jennifer, Neil and Jensen, for Yang Yang, for Antoinette and Spencer, for Bayar and his family, for Talash, for Joy, our BMS mission partner in Nepal, for Adi, Moji, Esther and David, for Elham, Ali, Benjamin and Bardia. We pray that we, and all who we pray for, find Jesus waiting for us, calling our names, and inviting himself into our lives. Amen. And so we come to our last hymn, well known for many of us. Will you come and follow me, if I but call your name. Let's stand if we're able.
And the blessing today comes from Melbourne, Australia, written by Nathan Nettleton from South Yarra Community Baptist Church. Some of you might remember him preaching for us here in Hillhead some months ago. In fact, I'll be preaching there next Sunday, six o'clock in the morning, uh, virtually. So if I could take your greetings, that would be, I'm sure, much appreciated there. So this is the blessing he wrote for this Sunday and his readings. Go now and live by faith. Patiently trust in God's promised future. Live by God's teachings and let your love for one another increase. And may God give you grace and peace. May Christ Jesus make you worthy of his call. And may the Holy Spirit fulfill you in every good resolve and work of faith. We go in peace to love and serve the Lord. In the name of Christ. Amen.